0: It's time for the Bears Nation podcast with your hosts, Kevin Lapka and Jake Hassan. Get ready for a lot of fun and excitement. Strap it in. I know you're going to dig this. It's Bears Nation, baby. To the Batmobile. Let's go. All right. Welcome in. It is Monday, October 9th. Bears nation podcast. Myself, Jake Hassan joined by Kevin Lapka as always. And it's been a little bit since we talked to everybody because the bears played a game on Thursday night football last week. And now here we are in our usual Monday spot to talk about that game, even though it feels like it was a lot longer than it was. It's where we're at. I don't know. I got no easy segue out of that. So we're just going to keep it moving here. Um, But the bears actually won a football game. For the first time in almost a year, the Chicago Bears have won an NFL football game. And I know that Kevin Lapka is going to have so much to say because he texted me, when are we talking about this when are we doing this lit podcast? I think is what the exact words were. Um, so, Kevin, the floor is yours to talk about uh, your baby boy, Justin Fields, and the Chicago Bears who are back in the win column for the first time in almost a year.
1: We're here. We're back. He's here. He's back. Uh, we're so far back right now. It's not even funny. Like, like you could not be more back than the Chicago Bears are right now. Caleb Williams talk off the board. It's not happening. Justin Fields is the quarterback of this team. DJ Moore is him. What a performance, Jake. I was on cloud nine on Thursday night. And rightfully so. So so were you. So was every Bears fan across the country because it wasn't just the first win in 347 days, almost a year. It was a dominating win, Jake. Dominating. I mean, they controlled the entire game. We thought for a split second and third quarter, they were going to pull a week four against the Broncos. They're, it crossed my mind in the third quarter, but the defense gets a takeaway. Terrell Smith gets that forced fumble. They end up scoring on that drive and kind of put the game out of reach. And just like everything that we talked about in the offseason, about what we believe this team could be and the additions that we made and how that would be reflected on the field that all came together this week every single thing that we talked about and this performance was like a complete antithesis of what the first 4 weeks of the Chicago Bears were and i tweeted that out i mean explosive offense disciplined football defense getting takeaways and and getting after the ball and, and, and stopping the run it was just like everything came together but let's start offensively let's start with Justin Fields we're not we're, like Jake Caleb Williams is out of the question Drafting a quarterback is out of the question. We're at that point. Like it, we have seen, like he still has to have a strong next 12 games, 100%. But at this given moment, This is your quarterback who's going to be – this is the quarterback we thought we would see for the next 10 years. This is the quarterback that we thought would transcend this franchise. This is the quarterback who's going to be the first 4,000-yard passer and all these different things. He's third in the league in passing touchdowns at this moment. He's like 14th in the league in passing yards, which is just even incredible that he's that high up after the first three weeks of the season. This is the Justin Fields that I expected to see when he was drafted out of Ohio State. and We are finally seeing it, and we talked about, hey – Build confidence. He built confidence in that Denver game. Can you compound on it? Can you build off of it? Because we've seen in the past in his career, he's had a good game, but he maybe doesn't build on it. Maybe doesn't compound it. This was back-to-back games of four plus touchdowns, 280 plus yards. I mean, Everything was just in motion. We talked about DJ Moore being the AJ Brown, being the Stephon Diggs, and Justin Fields. He's proven to be that. Eight receptions, 230 yards, and three touchdowns. Just one of the most prolific receiving performances, probably the most prolific receiving performance in Bears history. Uh, and it's probably not even close when you when you factor in the touchdowns. It wasn't. The, it was the second most yards in the game by Bears player, uh, second to Alshon Jeffrey, who had, I believe 240 something. So DJ Moore got close, but those three touchdowns. I mean, those win you the game. I believe the only people that caught passes in that game were DJ Moore, Cole Komet, and and Robert Tunyon. The only three players that caught passes for the Bears in that game. Unbelievable. But just a culmination of everything that we had expected from the offseason. I... Don't believe ever Blues is still going to be the coach. Like, we're not there yet. Like, he's not going to be the coach of the team next year. Like, I'm not all in on him. But when it comes to Justin Fields and when it comes to quieting the noise about what the Bears are going to do in the future with the number one overall pick that they still have because of Carolina, like, at this moment, Jake, and I know you'll probably disagree with this, at this moment, you cannot take Caleb Williams. You cannot do it. Justin Fields is your quarterback of the future, and he's proved it the past couple weeks. So I am so happy for him I and mean, I'm hyped.
0: Yeah. So usually this would be the point where I come in and completely just tear down everything that Kevin said and go the complete opposite. I actually agree. I actually think, and I said this last week, like I am open to the possibility of Justin Fields being the quarterback of this team going forward. And I said, all that I would need to see is these continued performances of not even excellence, but really good above average, high level quarterbacking. And that's what he did. I have no I have no bad things to say about Justin Fields. I mean, sure, you could nitpick a couple throws where maybe he overthrew Darnell Mooney or he didn't find the exact spot and, and they didn't come down with a catch. That's fine for the most part because what he did do overshadows that for once. What Justin Fields was able to do, and in, I said this last week, I wanted to see more of like the third, whatever it was, the third or fourth touchdown throw against Denver when he's moving around in the pocket. He's danced around. He's got his eyes moving and he fires a touchdown and in the end zone. I think it was Cole Komet's second touchdown of the day. It was the fourth touchdown in that Denver game. And I continued to see that. He continued to move. He continued to roll. It was the Justin Fields that we were sold. Once again, we saw that guy. We saw, I mean, he was putting throws where only DJ Moore, for the most part, could get them. I mean, the second touchdown to DJ Moore, where he goes up and high points it for basically on the other side of the defender's helmet, it basically mosses him. And then I think the third touchdown, which was perfectly placed between two defenders, two Washington defenders, it was a really high-level throw, I thought. It was a really difficult throw, one that we're not accustomed to him making, and he made them. So even though there were some mistakes, and not every quarterback is going to be perfect, but. What he did overshadowed those mistakes, and you figure that as time goes on, and if this continues, you know, the one-step overthrow of Darnell Mooney isn't going to happen next time, or the throw that's a little bit too close to the defender and they're able to get a hand on it isn't going to happen next time because what he did do was put enough throws for me where only his receivers, again, mostly DJ Moore, could get them that – it worked out and DJ Moore is an unbelievable talent. You saw it. I mean, when he, <laughs> and, and of course, and the Washington defense, they, especially the, the last touchdown beat DJ his third touchdown was a little bit like Washington defense, like trying to make a play, have to try and make something they gambled, they lost. And DJ Moore's able to just stroll into the end zone. But still, I, I mean, it was an all encompassing performance from Justin Fields uh, and really what I was looking for now. You have Vegas and Minnesota coming up, two of the worst passing defenses in the league. Can you keep it up? And that's what's going to be the next uh, the next question that has to be answered. You have some really weak opponents upcoming, and we'll get into that, uh, especially on Wednesday. But – can you keep it up and so far i'm encouraged like you said this isn't something we usually see from him it's usually one step forward two steps back this was one step forward and then another step forward the following week which is something that we haven't seen a lot with justin fields in his career in chicago so it's definitely encouraging it's definitely what we were looking for and i agree with you as of this moment october 9th eleven ten a.m chicago time I'm willing to say that Justin Fields is the quarterback of this team going for it. Could that change over the next 12 weeks? Yeah, of course. But as of right now, I'm willing to say that and willing to say, all right, you have that Carolina pick at one. Somebody's going to be desperate for Caleb Williams. You trade back to two or three or wherever, and maybe you're still in the top 10. Maybe you're not depending on, you know, how you handle these upcoming games, but, Ideally, you trade back to two, and you still get a Marvin Harrison Jr. for Justin Fields or, or uh, offensive lineman or whatever it may be. You get something, and you're able to make out like bandits again. Hopefully,
1: I would. I, I just I I didn't think you would get to this point this soon. I really didn't. I I thought it was going to take a lot longer for you to be back on the Justin Fields train and be out of the Caleb Williams, you know, sweepstakes. Again, I
0: said this last week. I said I was, and I I still remain that I I insist on keeping that same mindset. I'm open to it. As of right now, this moment, season ends today. Uh-huh. Yeah, Justin Fields is probably your quarterback going forward. But could that change the other way, too? 100%. If Justin Fields goes out there in the next two weeks, especially, if he puts up a clunker against Vegas or Minnesota, then I'm probably coming back the other way because those are two really bad defenses. But so far, he's had two tests. I mean, one was against a truly terrible, truly atrocious Vance Joseph defense in Denver. And, but it was a good launch point. It was a good jumping off point for Justin Fields. Now you had a little bit stiffer com- competition in Washington's defense, which still isn't great. We talked about that. But they're a little bit closer to average than, you know, the atrocity that is Denver's defense. So now you have continued tests coming up. Can you continue to stack these performances?
1: Yeah, and it was just I think it was so critical for me and I think for them, for the team to do what they did in a primetime stage. Right. Like sure. for me, that was a really important element to this because we know these guys are on Twitter. Like these guys are aware of what people say about their team. Like I know, like people say that they don't let these guys are aware. Trust me, the, these, these, the players and the coaches and the organization is aware of the narrative around the Chicago Bears and the narrative around the team going into that game was you're an embarrassment. You are the worst team in the NFL by far. It's not a question. There's no debate who it is. You ought, you just lost to the Broncos. And in a primetime spot with the whole world watching, the entire national media, the entire country watching, and to put the performance that they put on in front of the entire country, like, that is just such the confidence booster that they needed, not just for the Justin Fields, but for the entire team. Like, the guys on defense, the guys, um, you know... the undrafted rookies and the rookies from the, you know, sixth and seventh round, like Terrell Smith, who are coming into play. Like all these guys who had been exposed the first four weeks of the season, who thought that, you know, they're going to be nothing in the NFL. And then they show up on one primetime game. Like this is one of those games that I, I I almost don't want to say this because I thought the same way last year about the Patriots game when they embarrassed the Patriots on Monday night football. And there was a lot of the same thing. So, wow, this was unexpected. And just the Fields played really well, but Fields feels like, even better against the commanders than he did versus the Patriots on Monday night. This is one of those games where you have the ability now to rattle off a couple of wins. Like you really, you're coming off of 10 days of rest, right? You need, you got a lot of guys you need to get healthy. You got Jalen Johnson coming back. Kyler Gorin should be reactivated off IR uh, and, and eligible to play this week. And all these different things. This is one of those games where you could rattle off four in a row And then look back at this and be like, this is where it all started. This is the game that was just the nucleus of what is going to be, you know, a potential turnaround season for the Chicago Bears. And I don't want to get too ahead of myself and say they're going to make the playoffs. I don't want to get too ahead of myself and and say they're going to rattle off four in a row. But the bottom line is it's available to you now because you do play a very bad Minnesota Vikings team that's on the verge of implosion at one and four. A probable one and four Raiders team after they play the Packers tonight. I'm on a night, we just don't know. But regardless whether they're two and three or one and four, uh, they're not a good football team. And then you believe I believe after that you do play the Chargers and then the Saints. So then you could be three and four, right? You could be three and four walking in to SoFi Stadium on the Halloween weekend and with a chance to get to 500 against a good team. And then that's the point where you win that game and it's like, oh shit, we're here now. So this was just a huge moment for this organization, for this franchise, for Justin Fields, because you lose this game. Like we already talked about rock bottom. Like we were there already after the Denver game, but you lose that game. I still think if they lose that game, River gets fired. And I still think he will get fired at the end of the year. But if you lose that game, you are talking about organizational collapse. Like at that point, is right. is Justin Fields career over. At that point is Eberflus's career over, is Getsy gone, is Paul's job in question, right? Like you are like this was a franchise saving game for a lot of the players on this team and for a lot of the people in that organization. Um so no better time for it to happen on Thursday night football, but I know you're probably going to get mad at me too about talking about the future of this team for the next couple of games, but the bottom line is it's available to you and if they build off of this and they get a little bit healthier, there's no reason they can't be 3 and 4 going into Sunday night football.
0: No, I, I do. I actually agree with you. And even if you lose that game uh, against the Chargers, you immediately have the Saints and the Panthers, who are two. Not especially the Panthers are an atrocious team. The the Saints are very beatable as well. So uh, even if you do lose that Chargers game, you'll still have a shot at five and five, uh, which is really, I mean, a far cry from in a good way from where you thought you were going to be even just a week ago. And like you said, uh, an organization that was on the brink of implosion of collapse, uh, and and they're able to get away from it. They're able to beat a team. And and I mean, really, I think, and I I talked about this and I tweeted this, like that third quarter, I was waiting for them to blow that game. Like it seemed like it was really, really dicey there for a second. And honestly, like you kind of like, And this is something that we've been critical of the bears for a long time of not being able to get takeaways or generate, generate takeaways. And then you do in a big moment when Logan Thomas, first of all, kind of on him, what are you doing? Trying to fight for an extra half yard. You're there already. You got it. You're good. Um, But whatever in the moment doesn't, you know, know where he is on the field, maybe whatever. But the bears are able to force a takeaway and that kind of flips things around. I think that was the turning point for, all right, this is where you can win the game. And you and you go and you score points and, and you know you kind of get lucky, but even there, like if not for that missed field goal by the Commanders, I was fully ready to expect the Bears to lose that game. Like I was, once the Commanders missed that field goal in the third quarter, I was kind of like, okay, you're probably good. Yeah, but at the time, like it seemed like we were full blown headed to Denver time. And then you're right. I mean, if you had lost that game in that way, too, another blown lead like that. I think you're right. I think everyone would have been left behind in Washington, but they weren't, they win, they hang on, they win by 20. They, uh, we haven't said the final score, final score of 40 to 20. You put up 40, which I mean, how long have we been begging for that too? So a lot of positives for sure. And definitely, like you said, I think a a jumping off point, a building block for this season. And I know T3P put in the chat like, oh, he can't ever have a bad game. He can have a bad game. It's the NFL. I, I get that. It's the more of the point of we've seen Justin Fields show these flashes before and then completely regress. If he could put together two, three, four games and then have a bad game or a mediocre game. Fine. That happens. It's the NFL. That's a parody driven league but if you're having one really good game followed immediately by an atrocious game then that's where the criticisms come in is that two good games right now can you make it 3 can you make it 4 then then you know you build yourself even more wiggle room the more good games you have you build yourself more breathing room for the inevitable bad game the minute he has a, a bad game i'm not going to say all right cut him it's over you know and i know that sounds different from what i was saying a couple weeks ago Because it is different. You were losing games in horrific fashion and he was not playing well, but now he's played back-to-back games where he played really, really well with two games upcoming in the next couple of weeks to continue that, Really, really good play and entrench himself as the guy that Ryan Poles and maybe the coaching staff wants to keep around because I do kind of disagree, Kevin, where if let's say we're in this track of, you know, let's say the Bears win for the next five. Let's say that they beat the the Vikings and the Raiders. Let's say they lose to the Chargers, but they beat the Saints and the Panthers. Let's say they win four out of five and you're five and five. Now you have a stretch then coming up where that's kind of where you get into the tougher part of the schedule because then you go Lions, Vikings again, but then Lions, Browns, Cardinals who have been scrappier, Falcons, Packers. Like those are winnable games still, especially, you know, who knows what the Falcons will be by then. The Vikings might be full tank mode. The Cardinals may have fully regressed by then. So you could be looking at, say, eight wins. Like I think if you get to that seven, eight, nine marker i think the coaching staff is safe i think that then because especially given how the season starts then it's like oh well look at the job they did turning this around you start yeah. zero and four and then you go on to end up you know your own and four and then you win what's the math you win 80 your next 13 or whatever seven in your next 13 that's something that's you know they turned it around they found an identity they found their character and now we're going to keep the band back together I, because then if you're winning those games too, if you win eight of 13 or even seven of 13, like, I think then it shows progress by not only Matt Eberflus, but also Luke Getze as well. So you start on four and you end up with seven, eight, nine wins. You can't justify firing the coaching staff. Probably, probably I could be wrong, but generally in the NFL, like think about just like, we don't have really a precedent for that. And we know that the bears aren't teams, a team that's an organization really that sets that kind of precedent. Right. The bears are very I don't know. status
1: quo. They are very status quo and, you know, do things the right way. Yada, 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 old school stuff. But I, I, I think if they don't make the playoffs, they're cooked. I honestly, I, I honestly, well, I, I think that's where I'm at. I mean, you have to you, be like,
0: you have to frame it as what were, what were the expectations for the year? You know, I mean, for I, us, it, it, for you, we don't know that. Like, what, we don't know exactly. What their expectations so are. that's what we have to consider. What were the expectations in that building? Because you were the worst team in the league last year. So in that building, is it kind of like the Lions, where okay, if you get in, if you're in the hunt at the end and you miss it by a game or two, is that acceptable? And you're still, you know, I, nine I and eight think. or eight or, or eight and nine, whatever. Like if you have eight or nine wins. Is that okay? Is that relative to what your expectations were? We don't know. We're never going to be able to ask those questions, and we'll never get an answer. But like for me, let's frame it this way. We did our season preview. You had said 10 wins. I had said seven. Now, if they get to eight, that exceeds my expectations. Okay, good. You did your job. You went from the worst team in the league. Literally, you had the number one overall pick last year, and then you traded it, obviously, famously. But you went from literally the worst team in the league to a team that was in the playoff hunt and had eight wins. That's a win. That's a successful season to me, because then in that vein, if that happens, Justin Fields has shown enough to be the guy going forward. Okay, great. Now for you, that is underwhelming eight wins. Let's call it because you're two wins shy of your projection. You probably aren't in the playoffs. And to you, that's disappointing. So I feel like you have to frame it that way. I have a feeling that the bears weren't expecting 10 wins in a playoff berth. I think they were expecting the goal, like like expectations, like ceiling maybe, sure. Like your ceiling maybe was sure. 10, 11 wins, get the playoffs, cool. But expectations, like the, you run, let's say you run the simulation 100 times, what do you get 95% of the time? Probably that six, seven, eight wins. So that's just what you have to consider.
1: I just think almost, though, if you get to that point where you're in the hunt with eight or nine wins, right, it almost makes the first four weeks look even worse for the coaching staff, though, because then you're aware, hey, we have the talent. We have the quarterback. We had all the pieces in place. And what occurred in the first four weeks of the season was such malpractice that it's unacceptable that this was a playoff team. And this coaching staff is the reason they are not the playoff team. Like we could get to a discovery point where if they get to eight wins somehow and they rattle off, you know, seven, if they go seven and five in their next 12 games, which is not unachievable at all. Mm-hmm. You get to that point and you do a whole season review and you and, and you do your exit interviews and everything. And you take a deep dive. If you're Ryan Polson, Kevin Warren, you take a deep dive into this team. You think, wow, we, we did a great job constructing this roster. We, we we did the right thing, not trade, not drafting Bryce Young and keeping Justin Fields around. We we, we did all of these things right, like we did it the right way. Our coaching staff started the season 0 and four, blew a 28 to seven lead against the Denver Broncos, who could end up with a you know, top three pick. And sure. at that point, I think it makes the coaching staff look worse. And I think if you are the if you're Kevin Warren, you're Ryan Poles. Like, I just don't you what you don't if you're them. And you go and you're approaching next season. The thing you fear about firing the head coach is regression, right? You don't want to go backwards and and bring in a new head coach and have there be bumps in the road. I think they look at this and say, there's no possible way there is regression from this coaching staff. There's only positive progression. If you bring in somebody new, like it cannot be worse than what these coaches had been this entire year. And I think they're going to end up looking at it that way. Like, I just, I mean, how many first year head coaches have won the Super Bowl? Has that ever happened? That's know, the only the thing that Mike, head. I'm trying to think. So
0: here's my thing. But like, at least because you talk about end of season exit interviews, if they go seven and five here or whatever, let's even call it eight and four if you want to get real weird with it, like, then Ibraflus, the coaching staff, can sell. That they made adjustments. Yeah, we were terrible in those first four weeks, but then we found our. How, how can you say know. that I, if you I, if you I, go I, eight I, and four? Think too late. If you go seven and five, I, eight and four. I do, again, we know what the Bears are. The Bears don't like to rattle the cage, and especially then think of it this way: Do you really want to start over in a whole new system for Justin Fields again? <sighs>
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I uh, uh, yes, yes, I, I do. But obviously well, I you do, do like yes. I dream of him but like, like you Johnson. have
0: you have to like consider what the that's Bears do and their historical precedents. They don't do things like this. If they if I, mean, Madi, I don't know those if Maddie Refleuse sure? can if Refluse, Well, they I mean they did it with Lovey and look how that went. So if you say, Okay, we went yeah, if Matty Refleuse walks in and goes, All right, we were terrible. That you know, that's on me, but Look what we did after that. We made our adjustments. We were able to block out the noise. And and you know he's going to sell those outside circumstances, the whole situation with the coaching staff and Claypool. And he's like, hey, once we got all that set away, like once we got everything settled down and we were able to you know, just focus on football, that's when things turned around. That's what they're going to sell. And I think that Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles will buy that.
1: That's terrifying. I'm sorry. It's terrifying. I, I just I, I don't look this team, I think, could make the playoffs next year, like if they do the right things again in the draft and all that. But I just I mean, I don't know how you could look like what's the objective here, right? Like if you're Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren, what's right. the objective? Like I understand your I understand this year, the expectations being, hey, let, let's improve and let's get more out of Justin Fields. We didn't expect to make the playoffs. Fuck that. Right. I said before, you should always be expecting to make the playoffs. Obviously, that should always be the expectation. But if you look at next year, when you have potential two top five picks to sure up the, um, to sure up the offensive line and the defensive line or whatever you do. well, So I'll say that if you have two top
0: five picks, that means that you have not ripped off these wins. That means you've still, then everybody gets fired. Yes.
1: Top five pick in a, top 10 pick or something right right whatever sure. it may be like you have the opportunity to draft impact players who can actually significantly help the roster next year and you spend a lot you still have a ton of money next year to spend in free agency maybe you go after an edge rusher you go after you know a secondary guy whatever you need to do i think you look at that team and then you say i don't think Eberflus can take this team to a super bowl the expectation at that point is higher in 2024. We've talked for years about, not years, but a year now, about how that's the Super Bowl window opening. I'm sure they have the same exact timeline. And financially, and just with the resources they have, it makes sense. And I think they're aware of that. And I just don't... I mean, there's no way to know, but I don't know how you... I don't know how if you're Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren. You, you look at the coaching staff and you say, that's a coaching staff that can win us the Super Bowl. And I just... And that's that's to me is the reason why I don't think um, they'll keep him around. But I it's 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 a hard argument to make because you're right. And I just don't fear regression because I think, again, that's the fear. That's the that's still the fear. Or, and that's the, the logic, right, for organizations who don't want to move on is fear of regression. We, we saw improvement from these guys. Let's let's do it again next year. Let's see some more improvement. I, I, I don't think there's any way this team could regress next year if they got a new head coach, unless they uh, uh, unless it was a really bad hire. But if you're not a dumbass and you actually you know choose Ben Johnson or something, like odds are you're not going to regress. But the system the system point the, the system point is fair. I'll pitch this to you. Do they get to a point where the offense is so good for the next twelve weeks and the defense is still so bad? And there's still decisions in the game that are still so bad that they fire Eberflus and promote Luke Getzi as the head coach the following year. Like, is that in play? I know I'm... we're talking about real big picture stuff, people. I know you came here for commanders, uh, commanders analysis and reaction, but like this is kind of where we're at here after after five games. We have to sort of ponder these things, and it's a really, really important case study. Um, and I, I think that's in the cards. I really, really do. I'm, Who do players buy into more, Luke gets or Matt Eberflus?
0: So this is what I'm going to get. say. I know Eberflus is like the defensive guy, comes from the defense background, blah, blah. blah. I think, and again, this goes back to like, okay, what can, in your exit interview, what can you sell if you're Matt Eberflus at the end of the year? You can sell that you lost your defensive coordinator and not even to a firing. Out of nowhere, you lost your defensive coordinator one week into the season. And that you weren't ready to call the plays. You know this. You're trying to run Alan Williams' system instead of yours, and you can try and adjust well, on the it's fly. The same system.
1: Because, it's the same. Tree but and but
0: but but you know what I mean. Like it's the same tree, but like there's intricacies and in certain. And I know Eberflus is in all those meetings and everything, but it's still different. It's still a different set. You know, it's a different person leading that charge. So if you're Eberflus, you can say, okay, hey, I know I did a bad job with the defense, but. Let's hire a new defensive coordinator, you know, like, and I'll back off. I'll let that defensive coordinator handle that. That's what he'll be able to sell. I don't think to answer your question. I I don't, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility. No, I think if the offense continues to put up 30, 40 points, I think that because then that means Luke Getze has earned our trust back. That means that Luke Getze has adjusted as well and shown that he's committed to playing to Justin Fields strengths. So no, I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility. I don't think it's likely though like I, I don't think like, if, if anything, I think that the reverse is more possible that Eberflu oh. stays and Getsy goes Ooh, but no. again that would that would imply regression that would imply that Getsy does not continue this formula that's been working the last two weeks that implies that the bears are continuing to lose games in which case everybody gets fired anyway so you're right I, I get. You're you're right. This is a conversation that has to be had because if you're trying to find the way that you can keep Justin Fields and keep all the players, but still somehow get rid of the coaches and maybe keep Luke that's a real, real, real fine needle to try and thread. And probably borderline impossible, if not completely impossible. So now it becomes, at what point do you just say, screw it like we need to st- and i don't want to say rooting for losses but at what point like is it if you lose to minnesota and vegas but like the offense still plays well is it you know like do you try and do it like last year where okay you'll lose the games that justin Fields still plays well and shows you that he's still the guy but then you get into the dicey territory of okay, if you're losing games, though, everybody gets fired. New system again. Is there going to be a regression there? Unless you get a mastermind or, or uh, somebody like Ben Johnson, who you have real, real good faith in that he can work with Justin Fields. But then it's, okay, is Justin Fields going to be here? Is that guy, the new head coach, going to want to work with Justin Fields? Or is he going to prefer Caleb Williams? And it's just a whole thing. We're five weeks into the season. You're one and four. You have a winnable games coming up. It's really, really hard to project these things right now. It's yeah, worth it's having really the conversation. Hard. And, of course, everybody always wants to look at the future, whether that be playoffs or the draft or whatever it may be, which we've covered all of those things so far today. But it, it's, there's so much more that still we can't we have to find out about this team in the coming weeks. There's still so much more that we don't know because there's still 12 games left. There's still months left of this season. There's still, what, four months, three and a half months left of the season as it is. And so, you know, strap in. We have, you know, winnable games are coming up for the Bears. You know, four of your next five games are winnable. And I would argue that the Chargers game is winnable because the Chargers and they always find ways to mess it up. So, Maybe you shoot for three and two. Maybe, you know, if you want to be like Kevin, you want to shoot for four out of five or even five and oh, great. I, I mean, your fandom is your fandom. You choose how you want to root for this team. I am still very much on the fence. I could be, you know, pushed either way into, all right, root for a tank or push for the playoffs because fact of the matter is you are in that position. You win four or five games and you end up five and five. You're right there. You know,
1: you are. I I think what I'm gonna do is this because I will say I feel like I've been a little bit like too out on Matt Eberflus. like maybe maybe that's unfair right sure. like maybe it is a little bit unfair. I, for I me think, to think at that point
0: I think that you you made your bed regarding Matt Eberflus early because you were already dicey on him coming into the season like you you believed he, that he was probably the guy but you were like kind of. And I think I think everybody was lukewarm on him because he had his moments last year where he was good and he had his moments last year where he was bad. So it was already kind of like, eh. But after those first couple weeks, you like I think it was after the Bucs game. You were, Iberv Lewis is not the guy. He's terrible. Yeah, yeah, and I get it because he had made some really bad decisions. You were completely right to be in that camp. But I think that, honestly, you're kind of like me with the team as a whole where it's like, Oh, I believed, you know, I, I was so firm in this belief and now I'm having a lot of time, a lot of trouble moving off that very firm belief I had three weeks ago. And as time goes on, that'll get easier as time goes Hopefully. on. And if they, if they continue to play better, it'll be easier to say, okay, maybe I was just wrong. Maybe I went a little too hard in this you know, lane and now I can switch over to a different lane and be more in the middle or more positive, blah, 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 whatever you want to call it. But it, it makes sense. Those criticisms of the loose were very, very rational and they were very well-deserved. Now it's been two games and there's still been some dicey calls. I mean, the field goal, like he could not have had the field goal unit out there fast enough for that. I think it was it fourth and three, I think at the commander, like early in the game, it was like fourth and three mm-hmm. from the commanders, like 40. And he could not have had Cairo Santos out there fast enough. They were basically sprinting out there, and it, which is a far, you know, obviously a overcorrection, maybe even from the Denver game where you probably should have kicked. And instead you tried to ice the game away by going forward on fourth. You didn't get it. We all know how that went. So I, I'm I, it's kind of like how I'm open with fields. I'm open to Eberflus proving that he can make right decisions and have the team ready to play. There was a lot of extenuating circumstances. Now, Chase Claypool, one of those. We talked about last week, Maddie Bifluis got asked for six minutes about Chase Claypool alone. Just Chase Claypool. Mm -hmm. Why isn't he here? Who told him to go home? Did you tell him to go home? Was it his choice? Was it not his choice? Well, we're hearing this. We're hearing that. Six minutes on just a guy who you traded for a six-round pick you know last weekend or over the weekend
1: it happened it like, terribly but you know like
0: you, you it, ha- it had to happen you ha- so now that's gone okay now as the weeks go by you get further and further from the weird Allen Williams situation you're able to kind of put that in your rearview mirror so i'm th- like i said the same way that i'm open to Justin Fields proving that he can handle this team and handle being the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears i'm open to Matt Eberflus proving that now that you've gotten rid of some of that outside noise and you've kind of you're able to focus more just on football than literally anything else, I'm willing and I'm open to the idea of Matt Eberflus proving that he's capable of the job. Maybe he isn't over his head. Maybe we are all right, but at least now we're gonna get a better idea of it over the next 12 games.
1: It is often my goal on this podcast to convince Jake Hassan of irrational things regarding this team. Um, I often fail, but today I believe I have been convinced by Jake Hassan regarding this particular matter here. Um, I, I, I think now that I think about it, right, and I, and I put more, you put more emphasis on the extraneous search uh, situation and circumstances, right? With the Allen Williams thing, which is really, I know there, there's people who want to put that on Matt Eberflus. Don't put that on Matt Eberflus. He didn't know Alan Williams was going to do inappropriate things with the team. He oh, didn't I'll know that when he hired him. Uh, you can't put that on him. You can't really put it on Matt Eberflus that polls brought Chase Cleveland, although it was probably uh, a mutual decision between the two. I'm sure I would hope at least Matt Eberflus had some say in bringing in a guy like that and hoping that he could um, – turn him into a different player and, and a different person. Um, but I think now that I think about it, you're right. When you do look at the end, if, if you do go, if you go to the end of the year and you do look at that 4 start, it won't, the conversation, I guess the, the realization I'm making is the conversation will be directed towards exactly that. Like it won't be directed towards you blew a lead against the Broncos 28-7. You look terrible in the first three games. It'll be, you know what? these outside circumstances played a factor in all of this. Once we kind of got rid of all of them, we're a couple of weeks removed from Alan Williams. We're, you know, we bench chase Claypool. He's inactive. We traded him and we go from there and you start to play well without those factors. Then you look at it like maybe those things, had more of an impact on the team and on the locker room and on the organization right. than we initially thought. And I don't think that's an indictment on the organization. I know there's people who say, how do you let those things become a distraction? Well, it's natural, dude. Right. Like if you like, especially when it's just building on top of each other, like it was one thing after the next, like it was just, we, we all remember that week, like the week from hell for Halas Hall, just like one thing after the next is happening and, and it just can't control um, the building. Like, those are the types of things that can cripple and can carry over to game days, and we thought that there was a chance they would unite them in a way. And I think we're seeing now that maybe it has. So I think you're right. Like I'm complete. I'm doing a whole 180 right here. I'm I'm, I'm completely. We're watching it in real time. Minutes ago, we're watching it in real time. Like I think when you get to that end of the season, if things do continue to look better once those factors have been removed, then you look back at that and say. This was just more significant than we thought. Sure. So because of that, I am willing, I'm, I'm honestly willing to give the entire team a blank slate. Square okay. one. The season starts next week against Minnesota. You had a lot of weird shit happen the first five games of the season. A lot of unexpected things. You went through hell. You made it out. You got 40-20, a 40-20 to 20 win over the Commanders. Clean slate. You're 0-0. Zero and zero. You're zero and zero going against the Minnesota Vikings. Let's say you gotta go eight and four to make the playoffs, right? I don't know if nine and eight gets you in in the NFC at the. It at least gives you a fighting chance. At least gives you a fighting chance. I'm willing to give this team, this front staff, this coaching staff, this front office, this all the players a clean slate, and say, all right, the season starts next week. Can you go eight and four? Those to me are the expectations, and we go from there. So.
0: I, I honestly, I, I kind of agree with that. I mean, and it makes sense. Divisional game at home following a big win in primetime, It makes sense for that to be like, you're okay. Now we go point like, okay, now this is where, and, and I tweeted this and I'm fully expecting this to happen. I'm fully, let's say for shits and giggles that the bears go eight and four over these next 12 games and you end up nine and eight and i'm just fully expect them at that point to miss the playoffs by a single game and that's and I, that'll make the oh, entire sure. first four weeks that much more frustrating especially the denver game which you should have won but I, you're right in that okay recalibrate the recalibrate what you're thinking for the season your expectations like honestly For me personally, I would even take seven and five as like eight, nine, given how you started would be a success to me, to be honest. Like I would take that because to me that shows, all right, you were able to handle all this, all this adversity, all this crazy shit that happened to you. And you're able to turn around and rip off, you know, eight of, you know, eight of your last 12 games or seven of your last 12 games for wins and go over your win total. But, you know, so it makes sense. I think you're right. I think this game divisional game. And we'll talk more about this on Wednesday, but it makes sense that that is your jumping off point. Like that's where you go. Okay. Now back home, here we go. This is where you start to make, you know, make things happen for the season. So that makes sense. I want to uh, just real quick talk about for once, we can actually talk about our Justin Fields predictions from the previous week um, with some happiness uh, for once. So, uh, for the record, Justin Fields in the game against the Commanders put up a stat line of 15 for 29, 282 yards, four touchdowns through the air, no interceptions, and on the ground, 11 for 57. No touchdowns on the ground, but you know three for four of them, so we'll take that. That in mind, I predicted 20 for 27, 263 passing yards, 72 rushing, an interception, one passing, one rushing. So, eh. Not really close, but whatever. Um, Kevin predicted 280 passing yards. So off by two passing yards, 24 for 31. We were both off on the completions, 57 rushing yards. Kevin stop it! <laughs> is what he predicted, which, so you nailed that perfectly. Literally 57 rushing yards. And then. A rushing touchdown, which he didn't get, but two passing touchdowns. So exceeded expectations. Kevin's apparently is a clairvoyant as far as the yardage totals go. Uh, I nailed the rushing total, which is hilarious. And only off by two on the passing. So kudos to Kevin for that one. But yeah, I mean, maybe we're looking at uh, uh, the future of the Chicago Bears now, which is uh, uh, an actually fun place to be. And we'll see see how it goes. Uh, Anything else, Kevin, from the Commanders game for you?
1: Well, I kind of want to just real quick as we're talking about Justin Fields and his performance, he's probably going to win, you know, FedEx Passing Player of the Week week, and uh, Player of the Week, and and he won't win an NFC Offensive Player of the Week because obviously that award will go to DJ Moore. It would be foolish if it did not go to DJ Moore. Uh, But you know, he'll be the Air Player of the Week, whatever the dumb FedEx (laughs) thing, whatever. It's a cool accolade. Anyway, like after these last two games, and looking at the quarterback landscape in the NFC, especially after Sunday Night Football, I think you start to. You can start to ask the question of, is Justin Fields the top five quarterback in the NFC? And I go through it, and I list it out, and here's here's what I had. I had Jalen Hurts one, Brock Purdy two. Okay. Wait, I, I, I had it. Hold on. <laughs> Jalen Hurts one, Brock Purdy two. I don't know if I who I had at three if it was. Uh, yeah, okay. Sorry. Jalen Hurts one, Matthew Stafford two, Brock Purdy three, Jared got four, Justin Fields five. That, that that's where I'm at. I, I think at this moment, I know Kirk Cousins is still playing pretty well. You could maybe put Kirk go in five at, and, and fields at six, but you can make the argument. You could it's a, it's a debate that Justin Fields is a top five quarterback in the NFC. And there's always an asterisk around Brock Purdy because he plays for the 49ers and the 49ers would probably also be five and oh, if they had Justin Fields, but you just can't really deny what Brock Purdy is doing right now. Um, I think Justin Fields at this moment, is a top five quarterback in the NFC. And that's a significant thing to say. Like that's a significant sure. That's a significant realization. And 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 the thing is too, like, Jaden Hurts isn't playing that well. Like they're they're playing well, but like I also don't think the gap between one and five is that significant. Like, I don't mm. think the gap between feel like well, again, statistically, also, dude, he's
0: close. Or well, also five weeks into the season, though.
1: We, we Context are, matters. But it's almost more impressive because of the what he did the first 3 weeks of the season. So, you all I'm saying is you're on pace to have also don't no, Geno said is not a better quarterback than Justin Fields. Like we're, we're not going to keep doing the Geno you know thing. Mean? I I don't know. We're not we're we're, we're not going to do that. But you are in the potential area of having a pro bowl quarterback. That's where you're at. Sure. Um, and, I, I, and 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 that's. I don't think I'm going.
0: there yet, but I would hear the argument. I would probably still put and this hurts me to say, but Kirk probably over Justin Fields right now. Him or, uh, honestly, I mean, the way Baker's been playing has been very impressive. Um, so I, I would hear arguments for one of Justin Fields, Kirk Cousins, or Baker Mayfield going in that fifth spot. Um, but uh, you're right. I mean, the argument is there for sure. Um, it sure as hell ain't Dak Prescott's after last night. So sure that guy stinks. Um, and that team stinks. I
1: got but. a couple of things from the commanders game okay. um, that, that I wanted to listen to. I know we've done a, a lot of broad view stuff, which is, you know, really important. And I know we're four days after, so people probably prefer that. Uh, but when you just look at the specific things in this game, right? Like I, I think we undermine, or we have to this point, like the significance of Cole Komet on this offense. Oh, like yeah. when Cole Komet has a good game, the bears win. Like it is there. There is a direct president, correlation between president Cole of Komet, the Cole
0: Komet fan club. Famously.
1: Oh, me, me, founding, you, yes, founding you, member, you, 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 founding member, but you've been quiet about him. I haven't seen a lot of conviction from you about Cole Komet, but now you can really stand on a, on a podium here as, as the, as the president of the Cole commit fan club here Uh, and five receptions, 42 yards and a touchdown, just, you know, getting open, making plays, significant, right? This is a guy you signed to a contract extension. Like, there's a reason they signed this guy to a contract extension. And when you give the guy a ton of money, when you give any player a ton of money, you don't want him to go backwards. You want to show your worth and show your value. You don't want to pull a Joe Burrow, although he had a great game against the Cardinals, uh, and stink it up the first four weeks. And Cole Komet has been absolutely great. So I want to to mention that. Um, I don't really have much to say about Darno Mooney. wasn't really on him uh, in that game. Let's look at the defensive side of the football. Let, mm-hmm. let, let's go there real quick because we saw the takeaways and we actually saw the Bears get sacks. And what we see the Bears do, like this was a game when we talked, like, I don't know if we mentioned this. I don't know if I, I don't think we mentioned this on the preview pod because we hadn't heard the report yet. But then there was that report about Peter King saying, uh are could lose his job if they lost. And it was at that moment where I was like, I think the Bears, it was after I'd made the prediction. So I couldn't walk it back. I predicted the commanders to win. But it was at that point I was like, I think the Bears are going to win because I think Iberflus is going to do anything. Like, if this is truly a, a job-saving game, he's going to do anything he can to save his job. And from the defensive side, what you saw was they brought a ton of pressure. They're aware of Sam Howell is still as a young quarterback in the league, although he had a ton of passing yards and most of it was in garbage time just catching up. Um, they sent the dogs, man, and it paid off most of the time. You know, they actually had four sacks after having only two in the first four games of the season. I believe they had five sacks. I take that back. They had five sacks. They got another one late. You had one from Greg Stroman. You had one from DeMarcus Walker. Yannick Ngakwe got in the mix. Rasheem Green getting in the mix. They had DJ Edwards get a sack on a blitz. like. And this is what we had been talking about. We had been clamoring for send more pressure. We know your guys up front aren't getting it on their own. We have to find ways to send pressure. They we were really creative with some nickel packages and some corner blitzes and just getting you know guys in the face. Sometimes with Jakon Brisker getting in the face of Sam Howell. They did a great, great job of finding a way to dial up pressure against the Washington Commanders offensive line that's a little bit vulnerable. Get after the quarterback for Sam how to make mistakes and he did just that um so I want to see that continue maybe he's not coaching for his job next week but it should be the same thing that same sense of urgency that same pressure because we know they're one of the lowest blitzing teams in the NFL in general and they like to drop back in coverage and they like to play zone and bring their guys in coverage but you saw the effects of what can happen when you do send these guys after a younger guy like um like Sam Howell, and he still gets the ball out quick. Like you, It may not have a ton of success against a guy like Kirk Cousins who gets the ball even quicker next week, and we'll talk about them in the preview episode on Wednesday. But I was just really happy to see them dial up some pressure and actually get sacks and get hits on the quarterback and get tackles for loss. That was just such a positive sign after what we had seen was the most abysmal front four that this franchise has ever seen through four games. So uh, that was just a huge development for me on the defensive side.
0: Yeah, and maybe it's Demarcus Walker and Yannick Ngakwe getting more comfortable, getting you know finally up to speed. Sure. Uh, that could be part of it. I mean, Gervon Dexter was all around the quarterback as well, so that's a big development to see from one of your rookie draft picks as well, which is huge. I is Greg Stroman just really good,
1: dude? He might just like he be might good. just be
0: good, like legitimately. Like had might had good. the interception. I mean, he it had like you said, had a sack had an interception I think against Denver right or he had some big play against Denver he might just be good and if that's going to be the case and I mean this is so far away and we don't have to have this conversation for a while but Jalen Johnson's a free agent at the end of the year and if Stroman's Mm going to be really good and you believe in Kendall Vildor on the inside uh, wow uh, that was weird Kyler Gordon Kendall Vildor uh, still haunting my brain apparently um And then you like, and let's say Tyreek Stevenson continues to progress over the year. You might have options there. I'm not saying that. Let Jalen's on. I'm not saying that at all, but if Greg Strowman's going to be really good, I mean, that's back to back weeks where he's made an impression and where, I mean, he played well at at the end of last year too. So he's keeping raw. So good for him. Um, that's, but you're right. It's good to see the adjustments being made. Hopefully they can keep it up against Kirk cousins who. It, it, you know, you say Kirk Cousins gets it out faster than Howell. Howell's mobile, though, too. Kirk Cousins is not mobile whatsoever. Right. So that, you know, it kind of like evens out, I feel like, yeah, a little bit, out. but that remains to be seen. So we'll see who comes back off injury. We'll see the injury reports. We'll talk Tyler about it on Gordon Wednesday.
1: Off IR today, just now, while we're on this podcast. Really? He's been uh, designated to return. Also has Doug Kramer. Well, uh, Jake's goat. Th-
0: but that's. That's has the twenty one day window though to officially be activated, correct?
1: Yeah, right. I mean, like yes, yes, twenty one window, right? Like, but you know, still
0: implies that maybe he'll he's on track to play. I think he'll this
1: probably week. play. Sure. Yeah, and, and you saw like uh, cases from around the league, right? Like Cooper Cup activated off the twenty one day window plays. Played immediately, Von right? Miller, you, you another you one. Played immediately, Von Miller. Right? You know, which Cooper John Cup, Taylor, who was comeback player him. of
0: the year? Give it to me, baby.
1: Really? Wow. Uh, Eighty to one down to know. twenty to one,
0: but that's you a conversation that? for. A different...
1: uh, yeah, that's. I don't know. I didn't really. Okay, um, it's a different that conversation for very a different show. It is. <laughs> um, yeah, hundred percent. The Jalen Johnson thing is interesting. That's a guy who's supposed to still get a contract extension. He hasn't gotten it yet. I think you're onto something there. Also, Terrell Smith, dog. Yep. Uh, I believe rookie, he got hurt rookie. in the game. Did yeah, he yeah. ended up walking. I mean, high who high didn't get
0: hurt in that game? Jesus yeah, Christ. No,
1: Mike. God, it just seemed like everybody was going down. But Terrell Smith with a huge force fumble. Yep. Um, and why am I blanking? Who got the interception? Why, Stroman. why? oh, it was Strowman. Yeah, we just talked about that. It was Strowman, um, who, who's been great. So, and that's the other thing. When I talked about this week or less last week, being the antithesis right of the first four weeks of the season Chicago Bears, the major thing that I'm referring to there is, and one of the things that frustrated me most about the coaching staff was not getting the most out of your players. You know, having these guys at the bottom right. of the depth chart just be completely exposed. Like, good teams get the most out of these guys who would, at the bottom of the depth chart, right? And these seventh rounders. Like Greg Stroman, a seventh rounder in 2018, and this is a kind of a revenge game for him. He, you know, was drafted by the, the Redskins at the time, now the Commanders. Um, and you're just getting production out of these guys. And, you know, shouts out to, God, I should probably know who the cornerbacks coach is, but nah. um, <laughs> the cornerbacks coach is doing a hell of a job. Uh, with these guys, but really across the roster, like Gervon Dexter finally came alive. I know Zach Pickens yep. has been non existent, uh, but you started to see more plays from guys who, you know, we thought weren't getting developed by this coaching staff, which is another reason why I said I'm willing to give them a clean slate. Real quick before we head out of here, um, teams that the Chicago Bears are better than oh, in geez. the NFL. Let's create a list real quick. The New York Giants. Yes. Yes or no?
0: Yes, yes. for sure.
1: The, as in the Bears are better than? Yes. Yes. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals. I think the Bears are better than the Cardinals at <sighs> this point. They I'll still
0: say yes, but it's it's close.
1: It's close. The Cardinals are still scrappy, um, yeah. but almost like the Bears last year, like they win a good game against a good sure. team early in the season. Everyone's kind of buying into this, you know, scrappy team. Um, the Minnesota Vikings. I guess we find out next week.
0: Yeah, I guess TBD.
1: <laughs> TBD. Okay, we'll, we'll we'll put that up. The Panthers. Yes. yes um the patriots yes yeah. You want to talk about a dark horse team to get caleb williams yeah the new england patriots fair. might just bottom out and screw the over the nfl and get a good quarterback again um the denver broncos it's hard to say right like you sh- you like i still think you're better than the broncos i, I, when I you think lost yes
0: them. i still think yes i agree
1: Oh, uh, who else? I mean, that's pretty much it. You're not better than the Titans or the Texans at this point. Maybe, maybe the Raiders. You're better than the Raiders too, probably. But, but again, TBD. Last week, you were the third. You were the worst team in the NFL, undisputed, no debate. Yeah. And now we've just listed six or seven teams that the Bears are better than. That's the impact of one game. Hopefully, they can build on it. I, I, I'm at the point where, don't get me wrong, man. Last Thursday. I was on my couch screaming and acting a fool like we were four and zero. you know, like there, there was no change. And you best believe that we've talked ourselves into the possibility of being in the playoff hunt. And we're going to start using that phrase a lot, baby in the hunt. You we're tweeted it already. I was ready for um, I, it. I, uh, you, I, I, I was, saw
0: the tweet. I was ready for it.
1: I will say, Jake, I think I have a problem because Dan Bernson came in my office the other day. He's like, you
0: don't have an office. No, no, you do not no, have an I'm office. Sorry. Stop Shared calling it your page. office.
1: What am I supposed to call it? What am I supposed to call it?
0: You you just could say Dan Bernstein came up to me.
1: Okay, that's sure. It. He came up to me. You do not and... have an office. Well, th- what is it? Where where do I reside? It's your
0: shared workspace.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna. Re- I'm just gonna say shared workspace for. It's called it a studio. That's what I call this. A, a I mean, this
0: is actually a studio. Okay, I guess.
1: That's, but... I, I guess that's fair. It's sort of a studio. Anyway, he came up to me and he's like, "Why do you love Justin Fields so much?" And I was like, "Well, you know, I have allegiance to Ohio State, but I don't think people understand that." a lot of this stuff, like my overreactions on Twitter is satire. Uh, like, I don't think people uh, understand it. Uh, tweet, like, okay. When I tweet, uh, Oh, the bears are in the haunt. That satire. Like I am not dumb. <laughs> don't, don't do this. <laughs> don't do this. Don't do this. It is. So, um okay buddy i i'm all in on the bears though i am i'm 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 I, like i said clean but it's satire. i'm gonna be i'm gonna be this at this point it's not satire after right. the game mm-hmm. it was but now now we God. roll um if you win that Vikings game we're so all the way back and uh and <laughs> playoffs are in play but yes i will be locked in for that game we will preview we'll do an extensive breakdown of it on wednesday r.i.p dick buckus as shay mccoy said in the chat i guess we didn't really give a proper tribute to him i was gonna do it again uh, was- but Oh, okay. Let's, Thanks, what, guys. What do you, you, you play the music. Uh yeah, was gonna, I was
0: just gonna say on the yeah, it's just on, on, on the way out. I was just gonna say, R.I.P. Dick Buckus, Bears legend, obviously a famously Illinois legend as well. Um, you know, lived a great life, great great uh football player, great person, great mustache.
1: Great R.I.P. R.I. to a real one. Yeah. R.I.P. to a real one. It was really sad to see. And I am I the only one who who. The moment that I had learned the news of him passing away, I knew they were. I knew they weren't losing. Yeah, I knew they. I knew they were winning winning the game. Tough spot for the Commanders when the legend of the opposing team uh, passes away. Right before the
0: game, too. Like in like two hours before the game. Two hours. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. I knew immediately they weren't losing that game. So. There's your jumping off point, I guess. Uh, All right. We will be back on Wednesday. We're going to preview the home divisional matchup against the Minnesota Vikings, who are truly atrocious, a winnable game. We will break it down. The matchups, the injury reports, everything. We'll talk about it. Who knows? Might be the first week that we both predict a win for the Bears. So you'll have to join us on Wednesday for that. This has been Bears Nation podcast for myself, Jake Hassan, as always with Kevin Lapka. This has been Bears Nation podcast. And as always, bear down.
1: Bear down.